A few months ago, in July, I preached a sermon that was entitled, Who Will Help Me? The sermon was taken from Psalm 121, where the writer says in Psalm 121, I lift my eyes to the hills. Who will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Now, I know that all of you didn't hear that sermon. All of you weren't here that day. And and probably for some of you that were here, you probably don't remember the sermon. But I preached this sermon, and in essence, the sermon was about God providing help to us, that the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, is the one who shows up and helps us. And in the conclusion of that sermon, I made some statements about God providing help in our lives. And one of those statements was, when your oldest child leaves the house and you weep because time went too fast, The Lord God, the maker of heaven and earth, will help you. That statement was for me. You see, at that point in time, back in July, I was so filled with the emotion of taking my son, my oldest son, my oldest child, Jeff, to college. And I was concerned and I needed to know that God would be there to help me in the transition. And even more importantly than that, I needed to know that God would help Jeff in his transition to college. I needed to know that God would be my helper. That God would be Jeff's helper. Well, I'd like to share with you what happened. So in August, we take my son Jeff to a pre-orientation camp for school. And the purpose of this camp is to help the student acclimate to college life. It's to help them get connected. And this was a very good thing, but it was very difficult for me personally because I knew that that meant I was going to have to take Jeff to school a week earlier. So we end up doing it. We do this pre-orientation camp. We take him down to the camp and we gather with all the other students and some other parents, mothers and fathers, and we're listening to the camp people tell us how great this experience is going to be. And and it sounded awesome. It sounded like it was going to be an incredible experience. But in my mind, I'm still thinking to myself, wow, is, is Jeff going to be able to transition? Is he going to meet new friends? How's this whole college thing gonna go? How's this camp thing gonna go? And I'm thinking this in my mind, and then the, the, the director that's kind of leading this meeting says, okay, now what I want you to do is I want you to take your son and your daughter or your daughter and take them out to the front lawn and pray a prayer of blessing over them. And I'm thinking to myself, man, are you kidding me? How am I ever going to be able to get through and pray that prayer with Jeff? Well, we get through it, and we pray this prayer together of, of, of blessing, and we ask God to show up. And then the director comes over the megaphone and he says, hey, time to load him up. Let's get on the bus. Jeff says, hey, dad, see ya. And he runs and jumps on. (laughs) He's not so concerned. So he runs and jumps on the bus. And as soon as he's on the bus, I make this beeline for my car. In fact, I leave Jen in my wake. She's gone. I'm like bolt to the car. I walk, I get in the car, and I I just grab the steering wheel. And I start to cry. And eventually, Jen gets in the car, and she just starts rubbing my back. And I look over at her, and she's not even crying. (laughs) 
And so, and so I say, I say, you're not even crying. And she says, yeah, I know one of us has to be strong. <laughs> well, eventually, eventually we both cried. Our son is at school now. And what made matters worse is they take away his phone for that whole week. Now, I know in general that's usually a good thing, but when you want to know what's going on, they take away his phone. So for a whole week, I have no idea what's going on. I have no idea how Jeff is doing in this experience. So what do I do? What did Jen and I do together? We pray. And we pray hard. And I beg God, God, please, please show up. Please help him in this transition. Please give him some friends. Please connect him. So the week passes and we, and we hop in the car and we drive back down to the school anticipating this meeting again with Jeff and hearing how things go. And we drive up to the school, we drive up into kind of this U driving lot and we park and we get out of the car and Jeff comes out of the room and I'm, I'm looking at him and I'm trying to look in his eyes. I'm trying to watch body gestures and movements thinking, how is this going? What's he going to say to me? We hug and we say, man, what's up? And I say, here, how did it go? and I am on pins and needles. How did it go? And he says, Dad, it was incredible. It was awesome. It was one of the best experiences of my life. And this is coming from a kid that does not usually use superlatives. <laughs> incredible and awesome. And I am there and I am overcome with this overwhelming sense of gratitude, of gratitude to God. I wanted to break down and cry. I didn't. I wanted to break down and cry again. I didn't. I did stay strong, but I was overcome with this overwhelming sense of gratitude to God. I wanted to go out and sacrifice a bull or offer a grain offering or something. I, look, I know we don't do that stuff, but I wanted to kill me a bull. God showed up. He answered the prayer. And Jeff said, it's awesome, it's incredible. And I know that some of you have felt that way too. I know that some of you have felt that type of sense of gratitude to God because he has shown up. You may be feeling that way this morning. You may have been sick or somebody may have been sick that's close to you and, and, and you're now healed. You may have been praying for somebody for a long time that their eyes would be opened and that they would see Jesus and that they would come to know him. And now that person who was once lost is now found, who was once dead is now alive, who was once blind can now see. And you say, God, thank you. That person may be you. A year ago, you may have been the person that was in darkness, and now you can see. Or maybe God has given you a job. He has met all your financial needs. He has given you great relationships. He has given you life. And you are just overwhelmed with gratitude to him for what he has done in your life. I think that is exactly how Peter feels when he writes 1 Peter. Take your Bible and turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, it's found on page 980 
in the church Bible. 1 Peter chapter 1. There is one line in chapter 1 that tells me that Peter feels and senses this overwhelming sense of gratitude to God. Now, it's important to note that Peter writes this book of 1 Peter at the end of his life. He writes it in the last few years of his life. And we know that after writing 1 and 2 Peter, it's shortly thereafter that Peter is martyred. Peter is killed because he's a follower of Jesus Christ. But now as he's writing 1 Peter, he's remembering all the experiences of his life. He's remembering the highs and he's remembering the lows. He's remembering as he writes that he was once a stumbling block and now he's a solid rock. He knows that he has been chosen for salvation by the triune God that God has provided salvation for him, that God is providing salvation for him, and that God will provide salvation for him in the future. But he also knows that that salvation means that he will be in exile in this world. Peter's also walked on water only to sink because of his doubt but then to be rescued again by Jesus. Peter was in prison for his faith, but the same Peter that was in prison for his faith is the same Peter that saw the resurrected and risen Lord Jesus Christ. And in the midst of the highs and the lows, because of what what God has done in him, through him, and for him, Look what he writes at the beginning of verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, exclamation point. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, exclamation point. Peter cries out in gratitude to God the Father. He knows the things that God has done for him. He knows how God has saved him. He knows how God has used him. He knows how God has rescued him. He knows that God has been working, is working, and will continue to work in and through his life and his experience. So he cries out to God, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Amen. The gratitude wells up inside of him, so he cries out to God. And this is exactly how I felt when I heard how Jeff's week at camp went. Thank you, God. Praise be to the God and Father of my Lord Jesus Christ. And I know that this is exactly how each one of you have felt when you've seen how God has worked in your lives, when you've seen what he has done for you. And it should be the experience of all of us as followers of Jesus Christ to have this type of gratitude and recognition for what God has for us. Gratitude should be the defining characteristic of who we are as believers because we recognize who God is and what he has done. But just to say we should doesn't always make it easy. 
And sometimes if we're honest, being, being grateful, having gratitude to God can be difficult. It can be hard. So this morning, I'd like to take a deeper look at this virtue of gratitude. There's many places in Scripture that talk about our gratitude or the gratitude that we should have to God. We see Peter's exclamation of gratitude here in 1 Peter, but there are other areas. And this morning, I would like to look at two particular verses in which God instructs us, in which God commands us to be grateful to Him for what He has done in our life. The first verse that I'd like to look at is found in 1 Thessalonians 5, and it's actually verses 16 through 18. So if all you have to do is turn back a few pages to 1 Thessalonians 5, it's page 958 in the church Bible. The first verse that we're going to look at is found in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. This is what Paul says in those verses. Rejoice always, pray continually, and then look at verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now turn over a couple more pages to Ephesians 5.20. In the church Bible, it's 9.49. Not very, nine pages. Back nine pages. Ephesians 5.20. And we're going to spend most of our time here. Paul says, start kind of in the middle of verse 19. This is what Paul writes. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's pretty clear from these two verses that we're to be people who are full of gratitude. And this isn't just about giving thanks one day a year at Thanksgiving. This is going to be an ongoing, ever-present attitude ever-present virtue in our lives. God's command in these verses is that our relationship with him is to be characterized by gratitude. So what is it that we learn from these two verses? This morning, I'm going to share three things from these two verses. I think we, there's a lot more that we could probably learn, but we're going to look at three things that we learn from these verses. The first thing that we learn from these verses is that gratitude, gratitude is to be theocentric. Gratitude is to be theocentric. This means that God is to be the focus of our gratitude. Look again what he says in verse 20. Paul writes, always giving thanks to who? Okay, that was one person. <laughs> Paul says, Always giving thanks to who? God. There we go. Always giving thanks to who? Always giving thanks to God the Father. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18, the verbs that Paul uses there, the verbs and the actions and the words that Paul uses there don't explicitly reference God as the object, the subject of our thanks, but it's implied by the context of the passage in 1 Thessalonians. God is to be the subject of our focus. Our gratitude is to be to God, our heavenly Father. G.K. Chesterton, the early 20th century Christian apologist, 
once, re once remarked that the worst moment for an atheist, the worst moment for an atheist was when he or she feels grateful and has no one to thank. Think about that for a minute. You wake up this morning and you look outside and there's this beautiful sunshine and the air is that nice, brisk, fall, cool air. And you look and you see a pretty flower and the grass is still growing and you think to yourself, wow, this is just beautiful. Who do you thank? You thank your heavenly Father because it is he who has provided the sunshine. It is he who has given us the weather. It is he who has created the grass and the flowers. God is to be the object of our thanks. Now, as young children, we're always taught to say thank you, right? Being a person of good character and having good manners means that we are to say thank you. And we should, in every situation, as followers of Jesus Christ, when some kindness is extended towards us, we should say thank you. We should be full of gratitude to family, to friends, even to strangers. We should be people who say thank you. But our primary thanks is always due and should always be given as a matter of first priority to God, our Heavenly Father. See, gratitude is to be theocentric. Now, I'd like you to think about this for a moment. I'd like you to examine yourself. And I'd like you to ask yourself, am I a grateful person? And what I mean by that is do you recognize that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. Do you recognize all that God has done for you? And then not only do you recognize it, do you actually speak it? Do you actually say, thank you, God, for all you have done for me, for all you have given me? You see, gratitude is more than a feeling. Gratitude is an action, and we should, in that action, express verbally our thanks to God. Gratitude is to be theocentric. Next, the second thing is we see that God commands that our relationship with him be characterized by thanksgiving continually. Look again at verse 20. Look what it says. We're to be always giving thanks to God the Father. Always giving thanks to God the Father. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, Paul expresses the same idea that this thanksgiving that we give to God, our gratitude to God is to be ongoing. It's to be continual. It's to be ever-present in our lives. Not just once a year, not just on special occasions, but always as an ongoing practice in our lives. Now think about this for a minute. If somebody did something kind for you, say they took you out to lunch or they bought you a gift, it would be appropriate to say thank you, right? And when somebody does something kind for you, like taking you out to lunch or giving you a gift, it's probably appropriate to, to just say thank you once. 
Because if you just kind of keep saying thank you day after day and week after week and month after month for somebody taking you out to lunch, it gets a little awkward. It gets a little strange. Because the thanks that we give should be commensurate with the benefit that we receive. The thanks that we give should be commensurate with the benefit that we receive. And having said that, think about this for a minute. Think about a, defi- a divine benefactor who chooses to rescue you out of the pit that you are in because of the sin that you committed and have committed. This divine benefactor chooses to rescue you, chooses to wash all of your sins away through the blood, the shed blood of his precious son, clothes you in the righteousness of that son, adopts you into his family, promises you a future home in heaven that is undefiled, that is not dirty, that has not been tampered with, that is perfect in every way, has promised that he will never take his love from you and that your eternal home will always be with him. What kind of thanks is commensurate with that type of benefit? Eternal, ongoing, continual thanks. And the only way that we can express that type of thanks is to completely give all of ourselves back to him in gratitude. In a continual, ongoing presentation of gratitude to our Heavenly Father for what he has done for us. Our whole life should be one big, giant thank you. Look at what he's done for you. Thank you, Father, again and again and again. So, so far, our instructions on being grateful have been straightforward and fairly easy. We are to direct our gratitude toward God and our gratitude should be continual and ongoing. But what if things aren't going our way? What if when I went back to the school and met Jeff, what if he said, that week was terrible. I didn't meet any new friends. In fact, I was alone the whole week and I just want to go home. I don't want to be here. Would I have still been grateful? Would I have still expressed my gratitude to God? In your life, what if you've been sick for a long time? What if you're sicker today than you were six months ago? What if that person that you've been praying for for healing is sicker today than they were a number of months ago? What if the person that you've been praying would receive salvation seems to be farther from God today than they were yesterday? What if you just lost your job? What if you haven't had a job for years and the financial difficulty and struggle has just 
and growing and growing? What if relationships are broken? What if life is just painful and difficult? What would be our response? Because when we're in these seasons of life, to us, gratitude doesn't seem like the appropriate response. But God, but God sees it differently. Look at what he says in Ephesians 5.20. He says that we are to be thankful for everything. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, he says we're to be thankful in every, in all circumstances. For everything and in all circumstances. Really? That's not easy. Let that sink in for a minute. Think about that instruction. It's actually pretty shocking. How do you always give thanks for everything and in all circumstances? That one little preposition for puts such weight on things. Think about that. Think about the worst thing that you can think about. The worst thing that could happen Death of a child, financial ruin, death of a loved one, murder of a loved one. We live in a world where these things happen. And these things are tough and they're difficult. And these verses, both of these verses, tell us that we are to be thankful for everything, no matter what happens. Now, I know that some of you right now are in the midst of that kind of pain. The worst thing has happened. And I want you to know that, that I don't take that lightly. Perhaps you've experienced a sorrow that, that's torn your world in two. And I know as we look at these words of Scripture right now, it's tough to read them. It may be almost impossible to wrap your arms around the idea, around the concept of giving God thanks for everything. But I want you to know that God is not a God of coldness, coldness or heartlessness. God doesn't expect you to, to buck up and put on a smiley face and go out there and pretend that everything is all right. That's not what these verses are saying. In fact... He always wants the best for us. And I believe that these very words, that this very concept of giving thanks for everything may provide your rescue in the most difficult of situations. This very concept of being grateful to God for everything may provide your rescue in the most difficult of situations. As we look at this instruction to give thanks for everything 
And in all situations, in all circumstances, I want to share three things with you as we close. First, giving thanks for everything does not mean that God wants us to call good what he calls evil. God does not want us to call good what he calls evil. This means that we have to look very closely at the preposition for here in verse 20. In the original Greek, the primary meaning of that preposition for is better expressed as over. God is telling us to give thanks over every situation or in the midst of of or through something. It's more in line of what Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, when he says, give thanks in all circumstances. In scripture, God has clearly identified things that he calls wrong. God hates idolatry. God hates murder. He hates stealing. He hates immorality. Never in Scripture does God ask us to call good what he calls evil. What God calls evil, we are also to call evil. So how do we give thanks for all things when God clearly calls some things wrong? We're to give thanks over all things. We're to give thanks through all things. We're to give thanks in, um, in the midst of all things. Always giving thanks for all things because all things fit into God's perfect plan. We are to give thanks for all things because all things fit into God's perfect plan. Here's the key. I want you to write this one down. All things themselves may not be good. All things themselves may not be good, but God harmonizes all things for the believer's benefit. All things themselves may not be good, but God in his majesty and his miraculousness and his power harmonizes all things for the believer's ultimate benefit. God does not tell us or ask us to call good what he calls evil. Second, in thanking God for everything and in all circumstances, even in the midst of the most difficult times, we find a pathway to peace and contentment. When we give thanks in all things, even in the hard times, we find a pathway to peace and contentment. When the hard times come, what is it that we do? What do we do when the hard times come? We pray. We beg God to help us. We beg God to show up. We say, God, help me. God, rescue me. God, get me out of this situation. God, please show up. We pray, and we should pray. But there is something more that Scripture commands us to do. There is something more, and you don't have to turn there, but in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, write it down, Philippians 4, 6 and 7, listen to this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which trans all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In every situation, pray 
and give thanks, then you will have the peace that passes all understanding. This is the formula. Prayer plus thanksgiving equals peace and contentment. Write the formula down. Prayer plus thanksgiving equals peace and contentment. You want peace? Pray and thank God for everything. Because what happens is, is when we pray and we thank God for everything, God opens our eyes and allows us to see his mercies. It allows us to see the things that he's done in our lives in the past so that we can know in our hearts, in our minds, that he is going to continue to act in the present and will act in the future. Gratitude is the thing that helps us focus on God and who he he is and what he's done. And when we see who he is and what he's done, we experience the peace that passes all understanding. And even if we cannot see, God rewards our prayer and our thanksgiving with that peace that passes all understanding. Because he sees that we are trusting in him and who he is. So the promise is this. Prayer with thanksgiving equals peace and contentment. Which leads us to our third encouragement, to give thanks for everything. I just said that we must give thanks for everything, trusting that he is working for our good, even in the most difficult of circumstances. But that's hard, isn't it? It's hard, let's be honest. It is hard to trust God when everything around us seems to be falling apart. You want to know the only way that you can trust God when it seems like everything is falling apart? It's if you know. It's if you know that he loves you. And I am here to tell you this morning that he loves you. The God, the maker of heaven and earth, the creator and sustainer of everything loves you. And it's interesting to me how Paul identifies our God. He says, always giving thanks to God the Father. Paul identifies God in these verses as our heavenly Father because he wants us to recognize that this is a God who wants to be intimately connected to you like the perfect Father, the Father with no faults, the Father who loves unconditionally, the Father who wraps his arms around you, the Father who asks you in the difficult times to rest your head upon his shoulder, who loves you with an undying and wonderful love. This is how Paul identifies God. Because Paul wants us to know that God loves us. And the only response to a God who loves you is gratitude. And what happens when you give the gratitude in response to the love is you end up actually seeing and experiencing and feeling more of the love. 
because your gratitude opens your, his, your eyes to what he has done in your past. It opens your eyes to see that he has been present in your life and so you can reverberate and understand the love that he has shown and given to you and you can know it is present now in the future and now in the present and will be present in the future. Our gratitude is to be theocentric. Our gratitude is to be ongoing and continual. And our gratitude is to be for everything in all circumstances. Because God works it all out for our good so that we can experience peace and contentment Amen. in him. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, Lord, for your presence here. Lord, we thank you for the sun, for the weather, for the grass, for the flowers. We thank you, Lord, for these things. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for our lives. For all the blessings that you have given us, we thank you. We recognize, Lord, that you have done so much for us. And Lord, we also thank you in the midst of the pain and the difficulties that we experience in this life. Lord, we are here to thank you because ultimately we realize that our whole being is in you. And Lord, that it is you who has provided our salvation through Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we ask and pray these things. Amen.